distraction or anything else, Lord, that gets in the way, Lord, that, that you would take those things and just put them away, that, that your spirit would move and, and that would nothing, nothing would be in the way of you. In Christ's name, amen. I um, read something this morning. Actually, it's sort of interesting. I did not plan. Uh, I didn't read the reading before we did it this morning, and so I didn't know that it was going to be about joy, which is kind of neat because we're going to talk a bit about joy. Uh, I was going to wear my Dairy Queen shirt for that, but I, I decided not to because uh, I figured Craig would never let me hear the end of it. Um, the, uh, uh, a couple of years ago, I did a series on joy, and the way I described it, I talked about ice cream because... I mean, ice cream makes everyone happy, right? It is. Um, joy is a little like ice cream that doesn't melt, right? Like it's, it's happiness that sticks with you and doesn't go away. It's not dependent on circumstances or the heat of the world or how much money you've got or how the kids are doing or, or how quiet the house is or what you got for Christmas or any of that stuff. Joy is like this constant state um, of, of well-being and, and, and positive heart or what have you. Kind of hard to describe feelings because I'm a guy, I guess. Um, but, but as we look at joy and as we look at Christmas, it's one of those buzzwords that we see. Everybody probably has an ornament that says joy on it. If you were here last year for the sermon series, I think I gave out joy Christmas ornaments. So there are some again this year. So if you don't have one, you'll have one now. Um, but, but as we kind of dive into um, this series, we've been talking about Christmas is no time to diet. I, I found a song I really liked, and, and that was the, the, the message there. And what I've been looking at is... Um, how do we celebrate Christmas properly um, with our eyes on what they should be on? Um, exactly. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Um, we, uh, I bought a book last week, a diet book. Has anybody ever read a diet book? Is it just me? <laughs> really? <laughs> um, and it, it's amazing to me how, how um, every time I've ever read one, like they have this, this way of being where they say on one hand, this is what you want to be in order to be happy, right? What are the things that you want to be in order to be happy according to this book? You want to be thin and energetic and um, look like the cover of Cosmo if you're a woman, I guess. I don't know, guys, we, we can look like dads and it's okay now um, because men do advertising. Um, <laughs> the, the, like, like all of these things, if you could just get to this point, you would be happy. If you could just be thin, if you could just be this, if you could just be that, you would be happy. And there's like sort of this objective that they set out. And then they say, but at the same time, you want to eat a lot, right? You know, like, oh, you want to be happy and be like this, but you also want to eat a lot. And let me tell you how to do both at the same time. You know, in order so you can eat and that'll make you happy and you'll become what you want to be and that'll make you happy. And it's sort of this crazy cycle. But our, our culture lives in this, right? Um, Get what you want and do what you want and be happy by becoming what you want, right? And, and all of this promise of happiness and promise of contentment and promise of, you know, these things, you know, you can have the happiness that passes in the moment and the happiness that's forever by becoming something else. And, and the problem with that is, is that it's, it's too small. Um, C.S. Lewis wrote, well, actually, let me get to that in a second. Um, I, I read an article earlier this week about um, about men who pursue joy in different things, and and like he talks about um, um, freedom. You know, like if I can if I can have freedom and I don't have to be subject to God and all that. But if you look at the biggest names of, like in atheist thought, you get guys like um, like Friedrich Nietzsche who 
who was really depressing. I mean, like if you read his books, they're astonishingly depressing. You know, I mean, I mean, he 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 died in an insane asylum. Like he wrote about how, like, oh well, the real point to life is figuring out there's no point, and laughing about the fact that there's no meaning or hope. What? <laughs> That's awful. Or Voltaire, who you know was hated Christianity really, um, and he wrote like like in one of his journals, I wish I had never been born. Um, like the the the. Oh, if you can just be free and have whatever you want, you'll be happy. And there's no happiness in it. Like the people who figured it out the best were never filled with joy for it. Um, accomplishment um, and, and wealth and, and things like that. Like our culture says, if you can just have the new car, you'll just be happy. You know, and you watch these folks who are rich as can be and they develop drug problems, right? Just like everybody else. And they, they um, get divorced after a week because, you know, marriage didn't happen to make them happy. Um, you look at a guy like Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great was one of the greatest generals slash leaders ever. He conquered the entire world. Nobody in history has accomplished what Alexander the Great accomplished. And when he got to the end, he stood there and looked at his kingdom, and he wept, right? Anybody know why? Yes, that is a man who saw die hard. <laughs> He wept for there no more. There were no more worlds to conquer. I mean, literally, like all he had was this. And he gets there and he realizes, man, I did all this and I'm, I got nothing else. And he died shortly thereafter. Like, you know, great. Now I'm gone. I mean, it. There was no joy in it. At the end of the day, like there is nothing, 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 nothing that you can aspire to be on your own energy, or that you can accumulate that will make you joyful. Um, and it's it's sometimes what gets mixed in with the Christmas message. Um, I was going to use a C.S. Lewis quote. I've used this quite a few times, but I cannot emphasize it enough. Our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink, with sex, and ambition. And infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum, he cannot imagine what it is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. Um, as we approach Christmas, like we are given this thing, this this gift um, that that defies understanding. And Luke gives us just we're going to look at a tiny little chunk of Luke today, right? Um, and Luke gives us the coolest expression of this, and he he does it in a way that's not always easy to pick up on if you're not like an ancient reader because they had a way of writing, and so we're going to unpack some of it as we go. Um, just some background on Luke before we start on the verse. Luke um, was a doctor, right, and actually uses a medical term in this particular passage, which is kind of cool. Um, so Luke's a doctor. Um, he's very well educated, but he was not one of Jesus' original followers. He's a later convert, and he wasn't Jewish. And so this is one of those crazy books that doesn't have a lot of Jewish content. Like he's... He's well-read, he's learned, right? But he's not very Jewish. Um, and so, like, Luke is writing this book, and Luke has gone out, and he has interviewed people, and he has assembled his interviews from eyewitnesses, and he's written this book based on what everybody who saw it said. So he's like the world's first investigative reporter. Everybody with me? Um, slash doctor. Um, and so, like, like, Luke starts off his book, and he, in the beginning of Luke, this, this particular book, he accounts for two events um, that are important. First off, um, John the Baptist. He tells us about John the Baptist's dad, who was a priest, 
Um, and John the Baptist's dad is told by an angel while he's in the temple performing like a service. Um, he's told by this angel, hey, your wife's going to have a baby. And um, John the Baptist's dad responds, well, how's that even possible? And, you know, she's like 80, and we haven't had any kids up until this point. Like, there's no way we're having kids. And the angel, like, is so impressed by his um, total lack of belief that he makes him mute. All right, that's it. No more talking. And he literally doesn't say another word until the baby's born. And if anybody, anybody who's a dad knows that after the baby's born, you're done talking anyway. Um, <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Jeremy. Um, <laughs> Um, and, and so we have this account of um, John the Baptist, and we're going to come back and talk about a little bit of that yet. But then we also have the account of the angel coming to Mary because um, John probably interviewed Mary, probably met her, sat down with her, talked to her, gathered details from what like she was telling him. Um, and we, we, you know, he's got, a, he's got a lot of information that checks out very solidly. And then like Luke also talked to um, probably... Um, somebody from John the Baptist family, maybe Mary-related. It's not clear how exactly he picked this up um, because Elizabeth and, and, and her husband were probably a little on the dead side by this point. Um, but as we dive into it, um, just right before, so the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and he says, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Because, I mean, literally, first off, she's, you know, this young girl, like 15, and all of a sudden an angel is in her house, right? And he says, greeting, favored one. What? I mean, I'd be pretty knocked out by an angel showing up at my house already, right? And I'm expecting him to show up and say, hey, could you clean this mess up? You know, I stand in God's presence. Could you scrape a layer of children's toys off the floor so I can tell you what's up? Um, and this angel refers to her as a, as a favored one. Um, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have been for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of the of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Um, and so this angel comes and gives him gives Mary great news hey you're pregnant well i'm guessing it's great news in the respect that like hey god's found favor with you hey you're gonna like be the mother of of the son of the most high all of these wonderful things probably at the same time mary is like what i'm pregnant because that's her first response well how can this be i'm a virgin (laughs) i i don't have a and and he says well you know god's spirit will come on you and he'll put this baby in you and um He says, hey, and if you don't believe me, and behold, this is verse 36, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. This is the sixth month um, with which, uh, excuse me, with her who was called, sorry, I got to move my post-it here, barren. So like the angel says, hey, your cousin Elizabeth is pregnant uh, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So now watch this. We have a divine announcement, right? If an angel showed up at your house and announced something, that would be a big deal to you. 
Does that sound right? This is a big supernatural event. And what Luke is about to do is he's about to put it right next to something that's a little less supernatural. So Mary, having been told, hey, your cousin's pregnant, we're not giving specific reasons for her going, but I think there's a pretty good reason that you could guess at. Mary's like, well, wait a minute, I'm pregnant. Maybe I should go check out the rest of this story. Maybe I should go have a conversation with someone about this, right? And who are you going to talk to about, hey, I'm pregnant, but an angel gave it to me, right? You go to the other person who got a miracle. And so she, you know, heads out and travels to, in those days, not quite yet. Um, In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Now watch this. So in those days, meaning like the phrase there isn't really well translated, basically what he's saying is, hey, right then Mary hopped up and left. Got it? Mary didn't hang out. Mary didn't wait. Mary didn't consider. Mary got her herself in gear and traveled. Now this is a hugely unusual occurrence because young ladies didn't, even go out and wander around town until after they were married, right? Young single ladies were not um, were not to leave the house. They did. They just didn't go anywhere um, because it was considered to be this honor thing and this protection thing. They did not wander around the house, much less did they travel seventy miles because that's how far she went to get to her her cousin's house. Seventy miles through the hills and the wilderness and everything else to show up and talk to Elizabeth. This is a pretty, like, big circumstance. This isn't the sort of thing she would just do. It's not like, you know, Kate, who's engaged, right? Kate traveled, I don't know, it's Montana, so it's like 300 miles to be here. She's not hanging out in her bedroom, like, waiting to get married. She came out here, right? You need to work on that, Kate. Stay home. (laughs) (laughs) I I actually wrote in my notes, make a Kate joke here. (laughs) Yeah, you want it? I had to post it. <laughs> Just for you. <laughs> See, it says Kate joke. <laughs> here. <laughs> um, can you hand that back to her? <laughs> um, so she would not normally have done this trip. This is a very unusual thing um, for her to go out there. Um, and, and so, like, like, it's a big deal, but why is she going? Well, she's going to check it out, Right. But she's also going because she needs to share the news. And who else is she going to share the news with but her other pregnant cousin who also should not probably be pregnant because she's quite old. Um, So she heads over. And when Elizabeth heard – did I actually skip a verse? Um, Oh, and when – yeah, I did. How did I do that? That's obnoxious. Um, And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Is that in there? Yeah, it is. I missed two words. Um. Watch this. There's a word there, greeted. Everybody got that? Greeted. Say it with me. Greeted. It's going to turn up three times in this, like, little five-verse, six-verse section, okay? And using it the way Luke does, because Luke is a very well-educated man, it's something called an inclusio, which is not an ancient Hebrew word. It's actually a Latin word. But when they were figuring out, like, how ancient writers did things like this, like, it was Latin guys who figured it out in the first place. And inclusio is where you say something, then say it with big meaning, and then you say it again at the end. Got it? So, like, the greeting, Luke is starting to emphasize for us, hey, the greeting is important here. 
The greeting is important here. And so Mary shows up. She greets Elizabeth, which is typical because in ancient Israel, um, custom was huge. Honor was huge. And if you were a younger person, like encountering an older person, who was responsible to honor who? The younger person honored the older person, right? So Mary shows up and she honors Elizabeth by greeting her. And we see this over and over in the Old Testament where, like, even Moses, when he meets somebody who's older than him, right? Moses, who is, you know, a man who stood in God's presence, who saw God's glory, not, you know, from the backside, but, like, still saw his glory. Like, Moses, who carried the Ten Commandments, delivered the people the whole nine yards, who is the Elvis of, like, Israel, you know, of of Jewish theology. I mean, he is the big man, but he meets an older man and he bows down and greets him because Jewish people were serious about this. Always honor the guy who's older than you. So Mary shows up and the first thing she does is greet Elizabeth. Now, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. How pregnant is she? Did anybody catch this? Six months. So she is six months pregnant. I have never been six months pregnant, but I've looked at occasionally. Um, at six months, <laughs> thanks for laughing at that. At six months, is the baby moving around a common thing? Yes. So we have a miraculous announcement, and now we have this baby who is John the Baptist. Um, John the Baptist was significant because he's basically the last of the Old Testament prophets in the New Testament. He is the last of the prophets that God sends to announce Jesus coming, right? And his whole job is announcing, is to prepare a way for Jesus, to turn people's hearts toward Jesus. Actually, earlier in the book, I think I even included the verses. This is 15 to 17. Um, For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled from the, with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God, and he will go before him in, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of their fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. We're going to go back to this previous verse. Um, so John the Baptist... Um, when Mary walks in, he responds to being in the presence of Jesus by leaping for joy, right? He literally kicks and rolls over and makes a big fuss. I've never been pregnant. I'm assuming when the baby gets moving, you know what's happening. Is that right? I Like you drink three cups of coffee, that baby is ready to jitterbug, right? Like he is kicking around in there and moving and everything else. And like, like, um, Ancient Jewish um, theologians, like rabbis, they would argue, and there's whole essays about this, which is crazy. They would argue that babies could see spiritual things before they were born. Isn't that crazy? Um, Like that babies were capable of discerning movements of God, or like times when God was present, or times when the Holy Spirit was like active. They could perceive that from the womb, and they would move. It's based on a verse in Genesis, if you want to ask me about it later. I will, like, give you the whole rundown. I didn't decide it was that much detail. It was way too much. Um, and so, like, like for, for um, ancient Jewish people, they would say, well, of course the baby knew, right? But we were told by Gabriel, your baby will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even in the womb. Like, before he's even born, this is going to be a guy who's going to, like, like, 
you know, exude God's voice and like announce the presence of Jesus. And that's exactly what happens here. This baby leaps in her womb. He announces. And Elizabeth is suddenly filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's a second greeting, by the way. Um, Just did that one. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Now, has Mary announced that she's pregnant yet? In fact, Mary is probably just pregnant, right? She's probably just, just, just pregnant because, I mean, 70 miles, it might have taken her a week, so she's a couple weeks along, maybe, right? So Mary shows up, the baby announces, and then we have Elizabeth, who's filled with the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, is sort of a fulfillment of what Gabriel was saying, right? Filled with the Holy Spirit, she says, Blessed are you amongst women, which is a phrase we see in the Old Testament several times, and it's always, always, always associated with great honor. So it's like saying, wow, you are like special in God's sight as a mom, as a woman, like you are on next level. It doesn't happen that often in the Old Testament, but it is like a special like honor, right? So now we went from Mary showing up greeting and honoring her cousin, right? And now what's her cousin doing? upping the ante, right? Which is like one of these recurring themes in the, in the book of Luke, where actually throughout the Gospels, throughout like, like the story of God's redemptive history in the world, we see this recurring thing where um, the really great things, like the things that we achieve in this life, are turned upside down next to the greatness that God can give, right? There's a great line in um, 2 Corinthians, where Paul, or 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, yeah, where Paul is talking about all of these great things he had done with his life. And in the end, he says, you know what? All of it is garbage next to knowing Jesus, right? My salvation is like, is like in Christ. The thing that Jesus has done in me is what makes us good, right? Like my goodness comes out of it. He uses, the word he uses is, is kind of vulgar, actually. He says, every good thing I've done is like, like refuse um, next to the exceeding, like, like, the glory of knowing Jesus. And so, I mean, what we're seeing here, and Luke is emphasizing this, is the woman who should be less honorable is raised up and given special honor. Um, Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord, now the word she uses for Lord is Yahweh, right? It's not a light usage. Jewish people in worship did not say Yahweh out loud because they were afraid they might say it wrong. Or they might say something like crass and then say Yahweh, and like their mouth was not clean, and so now God's mad at them. They were so afraid of God that they didn't say his name. Um, But Mary shows up, and Elizabeth says, the mother of my Lord, the mother of Yahweh, how, how is it that you're in my presence? And so we get a second, like, announcement, this prophecy that she gives. So that's the second greeting, and the greeting is attached to this, this announcement, this, this baby leaping in the womb. Um, she goes on, for behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So now, she says, greeting is mentioned a third time, right? So this is the emphasis on either end. The big thing there is, baby leap for joy. Um, and she says, you know what? Um, you're blessed because you believed. Because you hopped up and took this 70-mile trip, right? You came to have this conversation with me. 
Like you, you've believed, you've trusted, which is the opposite of Zechariah, by the way. What, what happened to Zechariah when he was told you're going to have a baby? What? <laughs> Are you sure? Um, I think most dads respond that way. What? <laughs> Check it again. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm a terrible person. Um, and so, like, like, there's this fulfillment of what's happened here, like this, this prediction, this emphasis on, like, the fact that Mary is being faithful, faithful, but also that, like, this joyous thing is happening. Um, what does that have to do with us at this point? What are we supposed to do with this? Watch this. I started out talking about this idea. I started out talking about this idea that we chase after things that can never really fulfill us, right? Um, every new toy you get in two weeks, is it two weeks to Christmas? Will one day wind up in a garbage dump. Sound right? The new car will rust and break down. Um, the new electronics will be old, and you'll kind of make fun of the fact that they look so clunky now. It'll be on Facebook in 20 years. You'll look back and you'll be like, can you believe how cheesy that stuff was? Except there won't be Facebook. You'll be making fun of that too. Um, like all of the stuff that we chase after is passing and it's temporary. Even, even, even if you manage to like find the perfect diet book that tells you how to do the perfect thing to be thin and beautiful and wonderful, even that's going to go away one day because you're going to get old, right? You're going to get old. Is it the Proverbs tells us um, charm is deceiving and beauty is fleeting, right? Beauty is wonderful, but it doesn't stay. Um, eventually you get old and you start looking like me. And that's if God, that's if God especially doesn't like you. Um, I, I did that just for you, Trenton. I was going to say you, but in fact, I have it in my notes to say Trenton, but uh, you're too young. Um, <laughs> but what we're getting here, right, and what needs to be understood, what I'm driving at here is um, real joy, right? Real joy comes in the gift that God gives us in his son right? Um, The reconciliation that we get with him, um, because everything I accomplish on my own will disappear. Uh, Read the book of uh, Ecclesiastes if you want to get really depressed one day. It's all about how at the end of Solomon's life, he's writing, he says, hey, I built cities, but you know what? One day my cities are going to crumble into dust and they're going to be gone, or I'll die and somebody else is going to put their name on it and that'll be it. He says, well, I, I had lots of wives, you know, a thousand wives. It was really fun. I did wonderful, like, exciting things in my family. But you know what? It just passed by. It's gone. Like, real lasting joy is found in, like, that gift that Mary carried around in her womb, right? That God, um, the God that we offend with our sin, the God that we rebel against, the God that we say, well, I'd sure love to know you, but there's something good on TV right now, Right? That God loves you enough to send his only son here to, like, make a way for us to come back. To take punishment for our sins. When we hate God, he takes punishment for our sins. Hanging on the cross, he knew you by name and loved you dearly. Um, The joy that can be found in this, right? The joy that can be found in this is the knowledge that um, I can be right with God again. Every bad thing I've ever done is taken as far as the east is from the west. Um, so far as it taken away from me, like God is amazing, amazing in his gifting. Um, that's something to have joy about. That's something to be overwhelmed and overjoyed with. Um, every loved one that you like have ever had who is gone is standing in the presence of Jesus. Like if they, if they're a person who was a follower of Jesus, they're in Jesus presence. Um, we, 
we are not at the end of our lives. We are not at the end. Um, God has given us everything we could possibly have. And like as we come into Christmas, um, it's not a time to give up and chase after like fleeting stuff. This is a time to celebrate and enjoy. It's a time to like be filled with, with the Holy Spirit and leap for joy because the Son of God has come for us. Um, because God himself loves you this much. Um, other loves, other relationships, other everything. Like everything else is, is like peanuts next to it. I say that as a guy who loves my family. I love my kids. I love my wife more today than I did the day I met her. Right? I love my kids more every day. The highlight of my day is when they climb up the stairs with a cup of coffee, which is also very good. Um, and they say, good morning, Daddy. And they cuddle up with me in bed like every morning, which is one of the biggest blessings I get. But you know what? Next to that, like, like Jesus saving me is awesome. And I love them more because Jesus saved me. I love them more because I acknowledge that every good and perfect gift I get is a product of God loving me and saving me. My challenge for you this week, the thing I want you to walk away with, the thing that I want you to to carry around with you um, is to carry that joy, is to live in that joy. Um, Some of y'all are going to go to a party and you're going to celebrate that that little Kate Anderson is finally getting married, right? Um, and, And it'll be... It'll be wonderful, right? My, I got a text message this morning. My cousin, one of my closest family members, like we're very good friends, his, his wife is in the hospital today. She's having a baby. That's awesome, right? Like that is fantastic. That's something to celebrate. But the real celebration we get at this time of year, the real celebration that God gives us is joy in the knowledge, joy in the knowledge that Jesus Christ came for us, that we're saved by having faith in him and by following him. This is it. Like, that is fantastic. That is something to be joyful about. Um, my challenge for you, um, or my, my gift for you this morning, during Christmas I give out Christmas ornaments because I, I like to, honestly. Um, and in the back I've got a table full of Christmas ornaments. And my Christmas ornaments say things like joy and cheer, I think, um, and, and believe, and, and, you know, all of them have different words, but the words are all associated with, like, the celebration and the joy that comes in Christmas. Like, my challenge to you is pick one up and put it somewhere. Might be on your tree, might be hanging from your rearview mirror. I saw Jimmy had one hanging from his rearview mirror for, like, two years. Um, and, and he would say, every once in a while, he'd say, you know what, I looked at that and it reminded me. Take it with you, put it somewhere, and remember. Joy of the Lord is my strength. Like, the thing we celebrate, the thing we party about, the reason we don't die at this time of year is because anything that we can get, anything that we can become pales next to the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. Let's stand up. We'll close with a blessing, and I will let you all go to Kate's party. And then come back to help. May the God who loves you, may the God who cares for you, may the God who watches over every step you take and every hair that falls from your head, may the God who created you and and sent his son for you, may he give you strength, um, but strength that comes from joy. As the psalmist said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. May the joy of the Lord be your strength. May it exude off you. May you celebrate and leap for joy at the gift of Jesus. Amen.